And hello, any trenders. It's been a while since our last episode, and it was quite a while since the episode before. Rest assured, we have a very good reason for that, uh, because we've been really swamped internally with conventions. Uh, so we came from basically Anime Expo, getting all the news from there, and then we had Crunchyroll Expo, uh, that pretty much tied up all of the rest of the big new anime announcements. Um, I'm your host, Nico, uh, and today we have our triumphant uh, Mr. James has returned back from the woods. <laughs> yes, I have returned to reclaim my rightful place, but uh, because it's been such a long time, I'm going to let Nick run this one today. Yeah, and besides, there's only been like two episodes, two or three episodes since you've been gone. Um, hey, at least it means that everything didn't come to a screeching halt as soon as I left. That was my greatest fear. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it was like a lot of it was like day to day. There's a lot of busy work, I think, within the org. Um, again, because of the reason is like we have convention coverage, we have other opportunities that have been popping up as we've been going. I know Gracie has been going through her insane busy se- uh, season for her work. Um, so she she might not be on for a while, but rest assured, if you want to hear Gracie, um, you should go pop over to the Girl Taku podcast, which I think has still been meeting weekly. Like, that's actually super yes. nice. I am astonished, shocked, impressed, in awe uh, at their their consistency. It's it's something I definitely admire. Yeah, it's a lot of, like, it's been really interesting the last couple of weeks because, like, th- there has been a lot of critical um, notice of the podcast. So re- really happy for all of them involved. Um so yeah, just go go check out Girl Talking next chance you get. Um, they really deep dive into a lot of um, very specific uh, anime topics that I think kind of carves its own space. That like it, it really is a more editorial side compared to I guess what we would do on the main podcast, where usually we we can discuss like I guess the main results as well as stuff going on within the season. Um, but they have a lot of like really interesting takes um, covering a variety of issues um, that are very near and dear to their hearts. Yeah, that's my uh, that's my girl Saku plug. Go check that out. It's it's an it's an excellent podcast. It's the it's definitely the kind of show where I listen to it and I can I, I can just feel the urge to like want to jump in because I you know because they the the folks that run it they're our coworkers and so we still have conversations with them just you know not recorded and it's just like ah oh, i want to i want to i want to talk about stuff too but uh yeah it's super fun like catching up with them like offline once you're like wow that was a really cool hot take or wow that was an incredibly hot take even for me like yeah like, like trying to defend that or something but it's it's most excellent yep um so right now we're at the post crx uh crunchyroll expo lull so now we're probably going to return to our regular uh, seasonal coverage, as well as all of the latest announcements that have been coming out in the last couple of weeks. Um, so right now, I guess this this episode, we're going to be deep, deep diving kind of into like what came out of Crunchyroll Expo um, and some of the cool features that Anime Trending is going to be doing um, as a result of working um, at Crunchyroll Expo as press, because uh, myself and other members, including James, like we were all press at that event. So like, you might have run into us, you might have not. I don't know. Yeah, it depends on if you, dear listener, happen to also go to the same conventions we do. And it, it's pretty funny, actually, Nick, you, you're describing the, like, why we didn't release episodes, and it's because we had cons. And honestly, of all the reasons to not release episodes, being busy with other anime stuff is the best possible reason. It, it is true, because, I mean, there's a lot of coverage between, like, events that are coming out, as well as people we got to interview that we had to like go into and like um, do all the busy work after the fact, like transcription. Um, And so like I had some really cool opportunities. Um, I got to interview uh, the studio bones president and CEO, same person, uh, Masahiko Minami, as well as producer Chiaki Kurakane, um, who's producer for Bungo Stray Dogs. Uh, so that was a really cool, like, one-on-one interview. Got to sit down 
had a really cool chat about the, the upcoming season four. Oh yeah. And then uh, I also got to do some interviews uh, with some of the folks that worked on Rising of the Shield Hero, and then also got to do a roundtable interview with uh, Baku Kinosta, one of my heroes, the director and big brain behind Odd Taxi. Mm-hmm. I'm actually super jealous I wasn't in that one, but also it, it was a roundtable, so it was like we were sitting, you were sitting with like, so many different press outlets at the same time you're just like hoping to get like that one question in within yeah. like that 20 minute period absolutely um but before we launch into that i think are we doing a chart check this week yeah let's go into the chart check because it's been a while All right it's been contentious this season at least contentious in my mind because i have thoughts about some of these shows I basically don't because the season started while I was still in the woods. So I basically haven't seen any of it. But my sister, who normally doesn't watch a lot of uh, anime, has actually been watching a lot this season. It's because she was at Crunchyroll Expo. And she's like, they got me all hyped for these shows at the panels. I'm going to watch them now. So it's pretty funny. I have to leave the room sometimes when she's watching those so I can avoid spoilers, which is something I didn't think I'd ever have to do. Yeah, just there's so much anime. Just just get spoiled it's fine just watch it (laughs) that being said so let's go into the chart check this is for week five this was released august 14th 2022 Uh, so we're gonna go through the top 10 in descending order at number one we have lycoris recoil well-deserved spot uh number two we have classroom of the elite season two which is not a well-deserved spot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get butchered by the light novel fans, but also, like, internally, these light novel fans, they understand the season has been a mess. Yeah, it's the same. I feel like it's the same thing when we had, uh, like, the second season of The Promised Neverland where all the anime fans are like, what? Why is this bad? And the manga fans are like, no, you don't understand. It's different. No, it's, it's the same. It is, it's actually, like, directly from the light novel. They don't. They oh, don't no. have the excuse of the um, sort of yeah. Because like, because like at some point material. in like Promise Neverland, like the show just gets in, the the manga gets so bad in the ending that like the manga fans, I think, going into season two for Promise Neverland, really just were like, okay, cool, we're gonna go through the next like two or three really cool arcs, and they won't have enough time to get to the really terrible ending. But then the season two sped through all of the, like, skipped, like, all of their cool arcs and just went to the terrible ending. So that was, like, Oof. the worst of every person's world, from the manga readers to the uh, to the anime readers. Anime watchers, I guess. Anime readers, if you're, you read the subs. <laughs> I read subs. <laughs> uh, but I guess the difference is, like, Class of Elite 2 has a lot of production issues. Like, like... There's a lot of reports internally, like either through Soccer Brog or um, or through other places, like 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 studios listed as like clear outsourcing, and like you could see it in like a lot of like the really fundamental like uh, visual mistakes, and like the other hot take. I mean, it's not a hot take for me because I watched 15 episodes, including season one up to season two, currently airing. Because I was preparing for an interview at CRX about Classroom of the Elite. So I had to get really caught up on what was going on. You're our, our resident expert. Oh my god, no. I don't want to be the resident expert. Because like I was actually willing to forgive probably the first long episodes. Because I'm like, yeah, this is just like the typical kind of like light novel debate. Of like, it's a show that like really, really thinks it's incredibly smart. But it's yeah. just not. And it's so painful to, like, have something that's so pretentious be also so stupid. Um, And I think that's, like, one of the things that gets on my nerves, like, the most in any sort of anime pet peeve. Like, 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 and I have to maintain, like, a certain level of professionalism because, like, I was going to interview the, the producer on this. And funnily enough, like, we didn't get our interview in person for CRX. We don't really know the reason why, and I don't know if I... I can't really speculate on it, so, like... Um, yeah. But then it was funny, because then, like, the next, like, day, it was, like, the really terrible episodes of just, like, the interlaid... Um, how would I describe it? It's, like, track... A track scene where you have a runner on the outside, like, in the background, 
but like yeah. the leg is covering a character in the foreground. Like oh no, like the layering yeah, is con- so messed up. Is it's it's like not yeah. even it's like such a basic mistake that you're like, wait, what is going on here? Like this is things that like that really tell you like how little that they they probably cared about the, like the just getting this part out because they knew that like this is again one of the most top selling um light novels of all time yeah so they they knew that it was going to be a financial success i guess within kavakawa or something that's like what i'm speculating but it was just it was just shocking to me like seeing all that and i was like oh the producer is probably very very responsible for like a lot of those decisions because like producer is gonna like um talk about like like what studio is gonna handle some of these things who's gonna direct who's gonna these things like they, they make a ton of decisions and it's really important to um actually pay attention to like who producers are during your shows like i'm not gonna say 100 percent on them because i really don't know what's going on in production but um, there's a ton of cases that we can pull up in a future episode about anime productions that have really good producers that you've never heard of. And like those people are like what really makes a show work so well. Yeah, I think that's something that's like a disconnect between a lot of Western media. And then like anime is that, at least for like Hollywood and whatnot, if you're a producer, generally that just means that you threw enough money at it to get your name in the credits. For anime productions, producers and production assistants do a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot, mm-hmm. which, which, you know, I don't think that enough people know about that. I feel like we have some interviews with producers where we've, we've covered that, but mm-hmm. um, I'd have to dig through and find them. Yeah. So all in all, I don't think it deserves its number two spot for the quality of episodes leading up to this week. Um I do think it has been pushed really hard internally by people who have read the light novels and understand that the source material is pretty good, according to them. Um, yeah. So, like, I, I think it's really riding on that hype. Like, I really would be shocked if it stays in this spot, but or even if it overtakes uh, Licorice Recoil, because, like, that show's so good. Oh, Recoil? Yeah, yeah. Recoil's amazing. I've, I've, I, 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 I was supposed to get caught up on it before I... Before I uh... Newsflash, I have transitioned locations yet again. I am no longer in the woods, and I am very far from the woods. So I was supposed to take care of that before I came out here, but I unfortunately did not. So my goal is to try to binge it all, like, tomorrow, if I can get away with it. It'll be a pretty fun time. I didn't feel comfortable watching it. I wasn't sure if I should have watched it on the plane or not. I was like, I have people around me. I don't know quite yet what kind of show this is and whether or not I need to be concerned. Oh my god, dude. There was one time I was on a plane where I was watching Dura and it was at the very end of like the first season, like one of the random bonus episodes. And there's like yeah. one particular scene that's so really weird, lewd, and like out of place that I was laughing because I was like, whoa, this is like not what I expected in the show. Um, but I was on a plane and I was like, oh god, I hope no one saw that like brief like moment. So I totally understand, yeah. like that. Gotta like be careful in public. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So moving on, I guess with the rest of the chart check, we have number three, Call of the Night. Solid, absolutely deserves a spot. Um, I watched the premiere of episode one at AX, and I was like, "Dang, this is pretty good. I'm enjoying this." I'm loving that soundtrack. I'm loving that funky beat. Oh, nice. I haven't I haven't gotten enough exposure to the soundtrack yet, so I gotta I gotta revisit it. Yeah, even like the OP or the ED, because like the ED is just called Call of the Night, and like the manga mm-hmm. was just made in because of the song. So it's just like it's so interesting, kind of seeing the um, like yeah, this 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 manga and like or even the the adaptation and like the visuals like really really evoke uh, the lyrics and the feeling you get from that song. Um, nice, great show. Uh, in number four, we have My Stepmom's Daughter is My Ex. Unironically better than Classroom Elite 2. Don't at me. <laughs> um, main thought I have on this one is that, I mean, besides the fact that, like, the production is good. Like, you don't have, like, obvious production mayhem. Gaffs. Under this, like, yeah. gaffs or anything. Like, no, it's it's solid. Solid, uh, solid show. It's just, it's just kind of like that will-they-won't-they kind of show of like yeah like i, the, I don't know if I, I think i talked to will on the last episode about this one where i was like i i have seen 
worse. <laughs> but um, it's it's still interesting as like its own kind of thing. It's 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 pretty like pretty harmless. The the I'll admit the the title of the show, and I'm assuming this is also a light novel, uh, feels very cringe. Or like it, it feels like something where I would not enjoy watching it. But you have piqued my interest now, like because because I, I look at I look at this and go like, oh my god, another like incest, you know, living in a situation comedy. It's just like, come on, like it's it's like if you can't accept this show, then like you can't accept the premise of like Kaguya-sama because like I, I, that again, this is blasphemous to say this, but like they are both very common in the. Will they, won't they, but they're too proud to admit their feelings, and then situations are popping up that they're like, I don't want to crack, I don't want to crack, I don't want to crack, sort of thing. So okay. it, it, it has that romantic comedy mind game element with each other. Okay. Um and it and because they were already dating at that point in in the show. So it was like and gotcha. then, then they stopped, and then it was like it, it's just like this weird like power dynamic in their minds, you know? It's like Gotcha. Okay, that actually sounds interesting. I'll give that a look. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, number five, we have Shadow's House Season 2. I actually don't have much to say on this one. I, I know I like the art style from the first season. Um, it's kind of like, now that the Season 2 is all out, I'm probably willing to just watch the whole uh, batch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing really... Uh, I'm not gonna say nothing notable because it is it's got a really interesting art style where you have kind of like this gothic uh, setting. Um, yeah, a lot of mystery, a lot of kind of well, I wouldn't call it horror. It's like a little light, light thriller action. Gotcha. Um, number six, we have Made in Abyss season two, the Golden City of the Scorching Sun. Yeah, Made in Abyss. I haven't seen any of it, but we have no choice but to stand. Yeah, no, I finally got around to starting the first season now that, like, this is out. And I'm like, I, before watching this recording, I got to the really horrifying episode. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I was like, I don't know why I decided to watch Main Abyss while I was eating. And, like, for, for the most <laughs> part, like, for, for a good solid eight or nine episodes, that was a good, good time. I was just like, I get to eat my food. I get to... Well, this is just like this is just like season one of Made in Abyss, where for the first like seven or eight episodes, you're like, we're having a good time. We're all watching this together in the classroom. We're having a good time. Oh, she's been impaled. See, season two is like there's no there's no hiding it. It's already like you know this is going to be dark and horrifying. So there's no point. Yeah. In like at, at that s- spot in the story they're already like way deeper into like the way darker stuff. And you can even see it like in the intro, like the first season intro is a more upbeat, thrilling adventure into the unknown. Second season is like, no, actually there's really scary things and bad things are going to happen to everybody involved in this. And yeah, I mean, this is, this is coming right off of the, the movie where we literally watched somebody turn their daughter into a whistle. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a oof. I still laugh every because uh, I think it, like for a couple Father's Days actually, uh, Kevin Pengen has posted on like his Facebook of like basically a Bon Druid art and edit <laughs> to have like the world's best dad coffee mug. Oh no, <laughs> dude! It was so funny listening to Kevin Pengen at the at crx for his specific panels um because one of them was like just about composing in anime and games um he was with another person i forgot his name it was james Landino. he's a dj and composer who's written things for uh my my intro to his music is through Sidus and Sidus 2 yeah and he's he's had a lot of other notable credits i think like between the two of them um but yeah it was just so funny because it was like kevin had explained that he was like just got off the flight so he he just sound like either so tired or sad or something but then him talking about how he was composing the music for magnibus while sounding extra sad and acknowledging like yeah this is a really sad dark piece of work um yeah made it really funny because i think james landino was like was like way more positive and upbeat like next to him like they yeah had, they had a really interesting dynamic and it uh it that was a that was a good panel uh it, it was was pretty funny though because the host uh that was hosting it and i 
I'll, I'll just avoid dropping names just in case. But um, the, the host basically like showed up, said, these are the two people and then just let them go. And they just propelled themselves to the entire the entire panel, which is like the most hands off panel I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, they were just asking questions to each other because you kind of got the perspective of like someone who does anime music and game music kind of differences between the two. Um, yeah, their inspirations growing up. Honestly, it's it's that kind of that I would like to see that kind of panel more frequently where it's two professionals that work in either the same or similar spaces and that know about each other but haven't talked a ton. Like, you know, it it's the, like they've met a couple times but they're not necessarily like best buds or anything like that. And so it allows for that they are curious enough about each other's work but also knowledgeable enough about how the industry works and about each other's work to ask the really specific questions that i secretly desire listening to the answers to because that's all the good stuff you know it's the yeah exactly the core of how things get made especially like it helps make our job easier in the future because like by by asking i have an entire notebook full yeah exactly like i want to ask some of these composers now in the future um, when we have the opportunities like these very specific questions because also it um helps kind of demonstrate our knowledge that we've, we're paying attention and learning as like as an outlet um yeah it makes us look like we have big brains yeah it's so like from a from a music perspective i thought one of the things that's kind of interesting is like how do you approach um composing music that is either continuous or non-continuous um and that in that what that means is like is it going to get like spliced into the episode in certain times like are you like, is it a producer that's going to choose, like, what the music is going to sound like at this part? Or um, from a game perspective, there's a lot of dynamic music, which is yeah. where um, you have, like, a single track, but it might change, like, like things might add or change dynamically according to the game. Like, like imagine fighting a boss or, like, let me use the Metal Gear Rising game where... Um, you're fighting it and and by the time you get probably like the last third of a boss's health then the lyrics start playing or it might be like way um way different but like in the background it's like it's rendering both audio tracks at the same time just like waiting yeah. for like an in, like a dynamic input to like flip the trigger um yeah super cool it was stuff. it was definitely a cool panel and we'll we'll probably talk about it more later in the episode yeah super cool stuff um Moving on, we have number seven. We have Ruby Ice Kingdom. It was number three at one point. Um, wow, that's actually super interesting. At that, it's a it's a big drop. It dropped four spots. It's a really big drop. I don't know if that was like a quality thing, like because there's nothing like like everything steadily came up one spot. Like it called the night stepmom's daughter like all jumped up one spot like the only difference is like shadows house and like entered number five for like the first time in the top 10 period yeah, so a, that that's that's, that's really kind of cool that's a really big jump too but yeah. it sounds like ruby kind of had the big drop uh, relative to everything else uh, yeah i i don't know anything about ruby i uh the only context i have for ruby is uh have you seen that h bomber guy video about how ruby's pretty mid and it's like three and a half hours I don't, I don't need to watch a video for three and a half hours to know that Ruby was mid. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, see, I, I watched it because I had never seen any of it. But when I was first getting into, like, anime, I had seen, like, a lot of, like, fan art and cosplay and things like that. Because I think I got into watching anime uh, about the time that it was, like, Ruby hype was kind of up there at its highest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe not at its highest, but it was still, you know a large portion of of the the media diet for a lot of people that watched and consumed Japanese media even though it wasn't a you know wasn't a Japanese produced show uh, and but i was like that looks interesting and then i watched some animation and went i'm not interested enough in this and that animation looks not like what i want to watch and so i never picked it up yeah to me like from the earlier stage it was very interesting where it was only like like a 10 person project, you know, like very small amount of people at Rooster Teeth animating it. And then I think yeah. by the time they had to put more actual effort into it being like, Oh, we got up the production on that. Then it, it actually got less impressive to me, to be honest. It, yeah. Um, it's, it makes me think funnily enough of like the, the 
quote unquote small business, small game developer Blizzard or whatever the yes. joke that throws around every time there's a bug. Yeah, like like indie indie animation studio. indie game develop. Yeah, um, yeah, no, it's true because it's like at that point it's like I'm willing to forgive like the obvious like crazier flaws like within the story or other parts that aren't as interesting for that that element. But yeah, it, it's strange. Um, but you do have Shaft animating it, so I think it's it's very significant going forward. Um, like there's yeah. a lot of money I think thrown at this um, show. So I'm trying to remember. Uh, Ag- did Agnes watch any of this? I think she watched some of OG Ruby and was like looking at it in kind of like a like, oh, that's happening. I don't think I want to get involved this time. I can't remember though. It's been a while. Uh, she she has been a fan for like a really long time, which is probably why she has like the most criticism for the series. Um, mm-hmm. So like I I don't know. She's probably just moved on at that point. I know like <laughs> recently she's just like friendship ended with Bleach. Now One Piece is my new one best piece friend. is my new best friend. Yeah, so, like, good choice. Exactly. Like she's just she's just hopped onto the right fandoms at at different times. So. I don't think she was watching this. I think last time I asked her, I I don't think she was. Um, I, I think she had other shows she would rather watch. Yeah. And honestly, good. Yeah, exactly. But if it, it probably this is kind of serving as like an introduction to the series, anyways, and it's actually got decent production value, so um, we could probably go check it out, see how it is, and then let me know. Maybe I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I probably won't. I have a I have a limited docket of shows that I need to. Uh, first of all, I need to finish from spring season of all things, and then I need to get started on, on the summer shows like uh, what we've got at number eight, which had caught my attention actually. The Yakuza's Guide to Babysitting. Is this different yeah. from like Hinamatsuri? Like yes, and like in like so this what is ways? this is based this is based on a manga, and this is this is really funny. Uh, so the uh, Azuki the is the ones that have the the license for publishing the manga uh, online and whatnot. And we know somebody that works there, Nick. Yeah, yeah, uh, I know you're talking about. Yeah. And so every time like the 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 sizzle reel brought up that show, he'd be like, "Yeah, my company's publishing that." Um and so it got me interested because somebody that I know is is related to it now. And also my sister looked at it and went, that looks kind of goofy. I'll watch that. Uh, and so any show that can pique my sister's attention uh, automatically deserves a little bit of attention from me because she is a much choosier viewer than I am. I haven't watched any of it, though. I have no idea. <laughs> I was going to say, like, like, my it... question was, is it any different from Hina Matsuri, which is like another I... Yakuza adopts a child story? Uh, I don't know. We'll find out. I mean, a little bit. I think it's a little different in the fact that there's no psychic powers. Oh, uh, right. I think it's it's supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be considerably more wholesome, and I think we get to see more intent. Like I think it, it the extremes of like the wholesomeness and also the thuggishness are presented more in this particular show. If memory serves, even just from like clips and uh, like the uh, PVs that I've seen. Is they'll lean a little bit more into like, yeah, no, the Yakuza are they they're organized crime. We're gonna make them likable because there's like they're babysitting, but also they are criminals. And at number nine, we have summertime rendering in its uh, second core. Uh, I still cannot legally watch this show. In I'm the so Americas. mad. The manga is so good. I'm I'm waiting. Eventually, I heard that Disney acquired Bleach. I don't know if that that was published, right? I was like. Yeah, because okay, I was like, I'm gonna cut this if that was a leak, because like I don't think that was okay. Cool. Well, they have that. They I think they got the rights to the Thousand Year Blood War arc, if memory serves. Yeah, that, that's they that's got... the new one that's coming out. So yeah, I'm just like, please don't Disney jail this. Oh God, people were. It's a hundred percent getting Disney jailed. Hundred and ten percent. Oh, they hate money. Like they hate money. Well, no, they don't hate money. They just uh, this is the thing. We I think we talked about this with Netflix in particular. Is that when American, like Funimation and Crunchyroll and Sentai are the, like the three. Well, I guess Funimation, Crunchyroll, and now one Blob. But I'll let's let's pretend I'm five years in the past here. Um, they are catered primarily towards anime fans first, and so they have a better idea and better understanding of what anime fans want because what the hotness was. You know, back when Crunch, even further back into the past, and Crunchyroll was still a pirate site, was people would get the newest episode as soon as possible, sub it as fast as possible, and then upload it as fast as possible. 
Everybody wanted it right then immediately. Netflix and Disney, now that Disney is forayed into the streaming space, I think does not understand the week by week viewership. Disney should because they rele- they released things like Mandalorian weekly and I think Obi-Wan Kenobi was released weekly, but that just might be because they think Star Wars fans are somehow different than their regular viewers. And they are because they're worse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you could also make the argument that like they 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 needed to keep people on the payroll for a while, like to get past like yeah. that three month spot where to, you just yeah start to get everybody to sign like, up for why now. I have a Disney Plus Disney account. Plus. Like yeah. it was like when people are like, why do I have a Netflix account? Like that's that's a really bad problem for a company that's going to rely on that as like your passive income. Like. Yeah, but that's the thing that bog- like that messes with me even more is that they did a weekly release to get people to keep their subscriptions up. Do they think that people aren't interested in a show enough to like wait week by week? Maybe, or or it's also dubbing too, because like because that's the other thing. If like they wanted to do dubbing or voice work, um, that also goes into it. Um, that's fair. Like I don't think they would want to release this on their U.S. platform if it was just if it was um, just subbed, just subbed in Japanese audio. Like I think that, that they makes lose sense. a ton of viewership from that. And like even when the um, the Star Wars Visions got released, it was like it was all with one dub in multiple languages at that point. So yeah. it, it's like it probably was done like for for Star Wars like for for a while. And that means we just get to get angry at the fans again. I guess. I mean, viewers, how dare you not accept just sub shows? You monsters, deal with it. I don't know. Some 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 parts are pretty good. I mean, I, I actually some, thought some, the some shows are pretty good well, for Star Wars Visions. It kind of like had that fit that mix. It's just weird because yeah. like they obviously like are releasing this weekly in uh, Japan. Disney Plus Japan. Um, yeah, and I don't know if it's on broadcast or not too, because that also could be. That was that was a thing. I also know this was a weird thing for Netflix back when, um, back when, uh, what's the show? The KyoAni show, Violet Robot Evergarden. Hand Girl, Violet Evergarden. Yes, Violet Evergarden. When when they were releasing Violet Evergarden, I think the U.S. U.S. Netflix had it in Netflix jail, but U.K. Netflix got it weekly. That's because. People in the UK understand what a queue is. You gotta wait yeah. a week. <laughs> they love their queues. Um, they sure they sure do love queuing. Uh, the queue is just the letter followed by four vowels that are waiting their turn. Yep. So what's kind of interesting on our website? So like we have this as number nine, but it's not like the official number nine because of this licensing thing. So yeah, like I think if you see our graphics, number nine is actually engage kiss. I haven't seen this one yet, but like I, I saw it being heavily pushed like alongside Lycra's recoil. Yeah, it's it's Aniplex's like two shows that they're pushing this season. Yeah, so like I'll I'll probably get around to it because it's kind of like a romantic comedy of like it's like a succubus with superpowers or something and like romantic yeah. comedy. It like sounds sounds more like like it sounds so similar to like like Devil's a Part Timer thing where it's got that mix of like romance and comedy and action. Yeah. Um, in like different different valves, I guess of yeah, different knobs to turn yeah. to get a different genre. I'm interested in it. Like it, I watched the first episode with my sister. It was kind of like it felt pretty generic. There is a place where I think they could really go to develop the story a lot, which is something that is kind of implied in the first episode. Which is like every time he uses, every time he powers up with Kisada, he loses some of his memory. Like in the first episode, they do like the. They have to have the scene where it's like, ah, power transfer, which is just kiss. Um, but then he, like, wakes up and he's like, what? where am I? What's going on? And he has to look at his hand and he's, like, left a note written on his hand of, like, you're in a fight right now. Oh, um, he just wakes up like... <laughs> yeah, which I think could be really interesting if the memory loss goes, like, further back. And, you know, because you are... P- human beings are just... Uh, flesh automatons powered by a three pound thing full of memories and that's what defines who you are basically um uh-huh. and so if you lose enough memories do you lose your core you know there that's always a thing oh, in okay. shows whenever they have an amnesiac character of like are they still the same person deep down inside or whatever uh Is i think the that answer like thing. always yes though like I maybe i would love i w- I'm, I'm looking for it maybe dear listeners if you want to recommend anything to me 
uh, a, a series where somebody loses their memory and then just fundamentally changes because of it. Like they just become a different person and all their former yeah, friends. Yeah, because like I'm pretty sure there's like always the cliche of like their memory kind of bursts out again, or like they're like you can't you can give totally them so many it unbonks, but you can't like unbonk the person. Un- unbonks your head. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I forget what I was gonna say. <laughs> It looks interesting. I'm hoping it doesn't become too generic because I it has the potential to become pretty bland. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, and like if we were to look at like down the slot, it's kind of sad. Like, cause like Devil's a part timer is at like the number thirteen slot, and like it's funny that like like it does seem to struggle for me. Like, there were some parts that I thought were really funny going into it, but like, oh man, this arc is like kind of rough just because it's like they added like the funny baby. You know, it's like. It's like that 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 character sitcom uh, cliche where you're just like, oh no, they've added a child to the mix. <laughs> they've added a child to the mix. Uh, they've the fairly odd baby. <laughs> photos taken moments before disaster. <laughs> yeah. It's not like unwatchable. I mean, it's still up there. I mean, I still watch it every week. Yeah. It's still fun. It's just like, oh, it, it doesn't hit nearly the same as season one, but at least it's a boyfriend to girlfriend. <laughs> I would have yes. been, been so mad if it was full of that. Um, but yeah, rounding up on number 10, we have, is it wrong to try to pick a dungeon number four? Uh, yep. Nothing. Don Machi season four. I don't know if there's any words I have left to say about Don Machi, so there it is. It's the fourth season. I mean, there's only so many things you can say until it's just like, yes, it is, it is here. It is relatively consistent. Is it like consistently good? Don't worry about it. It's consistent. Uh, there's fans. There's fans that will love it. There's so yeah, no. It's 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 got a big enough and consistent, large enough fan base that it has. This is its fourth season. Like, you can't argue with that. The number, you know, they don't make shows if they don't turn profits one way or another. And so, if you're getting a fourth season, it means you're doing something right. Yep. So now let's go back into the actual part about Crunchyroll Expo. Um, so what were the main things that you, you got out of uh, the big announcements over the last couple of weeks? Um, that was, let me double check, Crunchyroll Expo ran from August 5th through August 7th, and I think you probably yes. saw some of those big announcements as well as some of the more anticipated stuff. Um, yep. Which one would you want to dive into first? So this is just popping into my head because I know for a lot of people we kind of laughed when we when we finally sat through the panel, but I missed the Chainsaw Man panel at AX. Oh. So when <laughs> when the Chainsaw Man panel, when everybody was like the Chainsaw Man panel at Crunchyroll Expo was basically the exact same, I was like, that's fine because I missed the AX one. So this is all new information for me. Uh, so I got pretty excited about that. Um, the cast, I think this the cast was announced though at at. Yeah, the, um, the cast was announced. They dropped the trailer about like a day before the actual panel, but like they did show the trailer again. Yeah, and the trailer looks good, and I'm excited for the cast because one of my, you know, one of my favorite, and I guess one of the new industry darlings is is in it, which is uh, Fairuz Ai, who is the voice of Jolene, and also Sei Shonagon from Fate Grand Order and Hibiki Sakura from uh, Donbedu, or How Heavy Are the Dumbbells You Lift. And she's going to be power in Chainsaw Man. And she's going to be power. I'm so excited. Yes, this is actually the perfect cast you could have done. Yeah, Um, it's very good. I am laughing at, like, who who was the voice actress that was with Makima? Because I don't know if she's familiar with her. Yeah, uh, Tomori Kusunoki, who I know because she is a voice for a character in the mobile game Review Starlight Relive. Okay. uh, Which I had a a nice little chuckle with (laughs) because... uh, I can I can to a degree see her playing a character like Makima. Yeah, because like from the trailer announcement, I mean, it's like small, cute, but also kind of has that that forcefulness that you're like you're unsure of what she's gonna do. And that I, I felt like that was interesting. It's, but... it's the uncertainty of like, am I supposed to be afraid yet? Like, yeah, gen- genuinely concerned of like, is this something I should be worried about? Yeah, and like I've seen so many of the like 
I don't know, the fan casting was always like Maya Sakamoto. And like, I, I could see that when I, when I was reading like the manga, like I could definitely hear yeah. like Maya Sakamoto's voice in Makima. But like, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm excited to see this one. And then who else? We had Aki and Genji also announced because they had all four yes. of them in an announcement video. They had them, all four of them in an announcement video that was like, this is fine. And then at the very end, I was like, mm, I can't concern. believe they made them all say, watch on Crunchyroll. Watch on Crunchyroll. That oh man little blast i, I know why but, they did it yes yeah, so i know why watched, they so did we've it we've watched chainsaw man on crunchyroll but also like, yeah on crunchyroll but also like if they're pointing if, if you're being held hostage blink twice it, it, it had that sort of vibe um i don't know if anyone else in like the room felt like that but i know that like any of the people around like the industry people were just like Ugh, like but also like <laughs> There, there was kind of, like, a subset of people that, like, walked into CRX, like, already mad at Crunchyroll because of the Right Stuff acquisition. Yes. Like, because Crunchyroll oh, had man. just bought the Right, right Stuff, stuff and, like, that had really blown up a lot of... Uh, they made the announcement... Didn't the announcement get made literally right before Crunchyroll Expo? So I'm assuming they did it so they could try to smooth over all the press by, like, drowning everybody in announcements. I think so. It was, like, probably, like, the first thing that they could announce before... Um, and the other thing is, like, internally within Crunchyroll, like, maybe five people knew about it. Like, not, yeah. it was a very, very tight-lipped secret. This was an announcement that, like, took, and, and I, I've seen some analysis by some, um, I'll say, like, I don't want to say industry insiders, but, like, well-known folks, in, at least in the, like, the anime Twitter sphere, of going, like, this is probably how every other acquisition is going to be, which is absolutely dead silence, and then an announcement happens saying that this has already happened, because the blowback will be the same for every acquisition after this, yeah. which is people going like, why the, why the heck would you do this? I can't believe. I, I was going to say, like, there's a reason why they probably announced it, like, before other, you know how, like, during AX, so you'd have some, some of these companies meet up with each other at some of these cordial business parts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like, if they met up after that, like, I, I'm not going to speculate too hard, but it's like, like, actually someone would fist fight someone <laughs> like, would, over yeah. this right stuff deal because of just so much acquisition on what it means for the consumers as well as other businesses is like it means that like a bunch of companies including like sentai who are not affiliated with crunchyroll now have to go through crunchyroll to like, even sell any of their merchandise um yeah um so Sentai distributes through, like that was the thing is that Right Stuff was an independent company, so everybody had a like a level playing field in distributing. And the other thing is that I don't want to say it's like brand sanitization, but they got rid of all the like R eighteen stuff. So like the companies that distributed through Right Stuff that sold that, like I know Faku, like doesn't have a platform to sell things now, or like they there was one that's thing it's like Arrow Manga Store or arrowanimestore.com or something, yeah. which is probably going to be spun off and operate until eventually they just shut it down quietly without anybody finding out, which is a huge blow for consumers. Like, this is normally whenever there's an acquisition, like when they did the Funimation and Crunchyroll, when Crunchyroll bought Funimation, a lot of people in the industry were a little concerned of like, okay, this is really turning this into like a proper oligopoly if not pushing on monopoly onto the anime space but for your joe schmo consumer getting to hear that you can cancel your funimation subscription because eventually all the shows are going to be on crunchyroll is fine that saves you money but now if you want to buy certain things you're just not able to anymore yeah it goes back to the whole thing of like even not just within the anime sphere but a lot of businesses are getting consolidated down where again Crunchyroll is under sony and it's a huge yeah. company um and you're gonna see, you're seeing a lot of different businesses and organizations kind of cons go going down to being like everything's either gonna get owned by sony or it's gonna get owned by disney or it's gonna get owned by time warner um yeah sony disney netflix or for some reason amc because amc owns a big chunk of Sentai. Or, or that um what is it the uh hbo plus discovery like like i don't know what they had they had a huge subscriber base with hbo max and they're just totally they're they're punting they're punting it so bad like they're just like yeah. it's now hbo plus discovery plus account thing that you discovery fell make. off ever since mythbusters ended i'm not gonna lie that's just how it i is. know but like I, I don't this is this is not a this this could be this, this could be podcast. a deep dive into like 
boy, they made so much money off of like yeah, we'll talk about streaming services in the later episode. TLC garbage shows like you would not believe. Um, yeah, uh, but going going back to Crunchyroll Expo, yeah, no, it, it was crazy. Like that kind of news going into it, um, and yeah, so that that was why. Like I think when, when the Chainsaw Man cast is like, yay, Crunchyroll, and we're like, oh. Okay, but everyone's like, you just posted cringe, but yeah. So I mean, I'm looking forward to it. The animation looks fine. Yeah, the trailer um, looks amazing. I think I think it kind the of trailer looks pretty all rad. the uh, issues I was, I was seeing. Um, yeah, I'm hyped for it. Um, I one thing that doesn't settle with me though is like how it's always just like the CEO um, on stage. I, yeah, I would like to Mamba. hear from somebody other than the, the CEO. We, we don't get any input from like creative, like. People, directors, like producers, directors, producers, or even the uh, mangaka, because they're all like busy working on the anime, like as we speak. Um, yeah, which is back into the content mines. Yeah, world. and I'm like, man, this is coming out in October. Like, that's crazy. Like, if they're still doing that, so like, and like, Mappa's putting a really big bet on this because it's not like like they they're not in a production committee they are they outright own chainsaw man so like if you buy a figure for chainsaw man moving forward all of that money is going to go into mappa so it's not just mappa the animation company it's mappa the we own chainsaw man and chainsaw man properties and merchandising and and movie rights and like it's a lot of money that can go into the studio so it, it really is like one of the boldest like do or die um moves an animation studio could do in this market i mean it's as far as as IPs to choose, though, Chainsaw Man is probably one of the safer bets. It, it is, and it's it's like it's honestly very surprising that they didn't. There wasn't like a huge crazy bid to, for outright ownership as well on this. Yeah, um, I, we don't really know what goes on internally when there, but um, yeah, it's a huge bet. Really big, good manga. Um, part two's out. Um, would love to the manga for part two is good. Would love to talk to the directors, or the animation producers, or the. Um, Maybe, maybe in a year, maybe after it airs. Yeah, then you get a rest. But, like, that's the other thing. So, like, if I contrast that with, um, because talking with Masahiko Minami, um, we have a studio at Studio Bones. Um, they are also doing a really good, uh, revolution in their industry that is not really talked about as much because they're on track to finishing the production of all of their upcoming shows almost like a full season season and a half before the actual air date oh um, that's so cool yeah so that's why it's like even though they were saying like Bungo stray dogs is coming out in january people are still working on it now but they're pretty much almost done with like that uh we know internally mob psycho 3 is coming out in like about a month month two months something like that yeah. but yeah like it, it's already done it's been done since like april is what they showed heard. us the first two episodes at Crunchyroll Expo. Yeah, and like it, it, it really is something that it like, looks really good. It looks really good. Yeah, and it really avoids like a lot of that eleventh hour, like people still animating episodes while like the show's coming out. Um, it really yeah. promotes like a much healthier schedule. Um, it, yeah, no, it, it really is like something that you'd want to see moving forward. And I think a lot of studios should look at Bones as an example for how they're they've been doing. It. I mean, they've they've been, they've been a power with like how their organization within like the whole five studios total that make up of bones yeah um but like you know the this is something that's been coming i think it's been it's been talked about less recently but this was a big thing a couple of years ago and i don't think it's changed of how kind of the anime industry is still kind of hurtling towards a prep uh precipice because it's basically an animation bubble like shows keep getting greenlit they're 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 digging further and further down they're scraping more and more of the barrel to get stuff like who would have thought lucifer biscuit hammer was going to get an anime adaptation in current year um and it's because everybody's trying to pump out as much content as possible and it's just not sustainable and qual you know some of the shows just aren't like some shows come out and they 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 come out and they go with all the same ceremony and pomp and circumstances a wet fart like nobody knows about any of it and you can't just keep like flogging the production horse to keep going. So companies that are act taking active steps to curb that are, I think, doing really well. Yeah, I mean, there's if you look at the list from even anime trending, we have like forty two possible selections on our top anime of the season. Yeah, um, that's a lot. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot, but it's a full 
It's a huge mess on some of that. So some things like maybe yeah. not are not meant for, for big consumption like that. Yeah. But but um but yes, uh Mob Psycho good. Mob Psycho it good. It was I'm Ooh. I I I feel like a fake fan. I did not watch season 2. Um Wow, that's like a really good season. They're all they're all really good, but I think 2 is like especially way better than season 1, but also they're all like like Oh god, I love Mob Psycho. Yeah, I, I clearly what needs to happen is like when I come back to visit for the holidays, I'll just come over to your place and we'll just binge it. Dude, yeah, like actually just watch all of it in one sitting. Sounds order a pizza amazing. and just watch Mob Psycho yeah. in one sitting. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I'm down. Because um, it's so rewatchable with like just the visuals on that. I mean, it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, amazing. Um, so the other thing. Other other premieres. Other premieres. Oh, sorry, I know no there problem. was, uh, what is it? We Do it yourself. Do it yourself. Do it yourself. I love how, do it yourself. How was that? It's, I was in the middle of an interview during do it yourself. It was it was really funny because um I I I I was not planning. I didn't even know it was a thing until somebody else on our press team. I think it was like Howard was like, "Hey, I'm gonna go see this," and I looked at it and went, "Oh, that looks like my kind of show," uh because somebody had mentioned it. Like it looks like it just kind of has like Izelkin vibes of like folks hanging out and making things, and so I I poked my head in just to see uh what it would be like and the setting is kind of goofy there's like this super futuristic tech whatever like auto you know self-driving buses that's right not self-driving cars buses because buses are better than cars um and but like it was very much i think the the root message is like getting back in touch and like building things with your own hands and and kind of like it ain't much but it's honest work kind of vibe which i really which i really like uh but it also is it's goofy there's some like funny little jokes uh the main character's name is literally a pun that gets like explained at the end of the first episode and that's when i knew this show was going to be for me if you're going to name your main character after a pun uh you're you're going all in because you have to stick with that character until the end of the season <laughs> Why, what, what pun rhymes with james it's not james no i know um, i'm just asking if you were named after a pun no, I'm not. Uh, I would have to ask my parents. <laughs> um, yeah, mom, dad. No, I have a friend, actually. I have a friend who uh, is his, whose name is basically like that. And I'll explain. Um, uh, actually, I'll, I'll do his. I just won't say his full name. But uh, his parents expected to have a girl. And so they came up with like a girl name. And then they're like, wait, but what if it's a boy? Oh, we should have a name. And we should have a boy name just in case. Uh, his name is Justin Cassisi. Like first name, middle name. So his first and middle name is literally just in case. Oh my god. Except they made it more Italian. Damn. Well, speaking of Italian, my middle name is Mario, which is already kind of funny enough. <laughs> I kid you not that uh, my uh, my grandfather, because I'm named after my grandfather, who's also who's named Mario, but like his father was named Luigi, so it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> it's Mario and Luigi. Very, 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 uh, pretty, pretty apt. That's, that's hysterical. It's pretty good. Proud of it. Um, but yeah, and then actually, as we were leaving, some of the, some of the staff, uh, were like, Hey, would you mind like talking to us about it? And we're like, Oh yeah. And so we explained why we liked the show. And, you know, I did woodshop in middle school, which is why I was like excited. Cause it's like, Oh man, this is gonna get like how laid back camp got more people to go camping. I'm secretly hoping that, uh, do it yourself is a, is a popular enough, even if it is kind of niche, but like a popular enough show that people get inspired to like take up some carpentry or some woodworking or or any other of the like arts like slightly more crafty and less artsy part of arts and crafts mm-hmm. and try to make some cool stuff okay i'm looking forward show. to i'm it. gonna watch it laid back yeah laid back build a shack <laughs> <laughs> yeah um what else was there because i know at the very end they announced that they're doing tower of god season two which i thought was really yeah was that during the con or was that like when when was that announced because i feel like it might have been that sunday panel with kevin uh but i missed some of it because i had an autograph session that i had to be in line for and so i missed a big chunk i didn't show up until towards the end when he was like speed running through all of his soundtracks Oh, I see. So I don't know that, and there was like there was the visuals for like Rising the Shield Hero season three. Um, yeah, there there was a bunch of stuff. I'm I'm excited for Tower of God. I know that we watched it and did like an episode by episode thing, and I'm kind of hoping we get to do that again. Uh, I I despite how much I was like ah Tower of God, um, I am looking forward to it. 
you know, I think I, I think I appraised it pretty, pretty middlingly back when season one was airing, but I look back and I've got some rose tinted glasses. So, but yeah, are you going to watch rising of shield hero season three? Um, I think I would. I think that the, uh, the visuals from like the key visuals for rising the shield hero always makes a pretty compelling case until like the show actually starts. The show actually airs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like it's some really cool art going into that where it's like wow that's an interesting uh design there where yeah i mean they've updated the production staff again so i guess if that was an issue for season two because i know season two was kind of panned um but you know now that they've changed that maybe season three will be the redemption arc yeah it kind of seems like it's going to like the more climactic parts within the story as well so that'll be kind of interesting we'll see how that that airs so I'm probably going to be looking for, like, what are the internal reviews going to see for season three before, like, yeah, deciding before. to go. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we get, like, uh, a sneak peek or, like, a, a couple clips that'll help us gauge whether or not this is going to be any good. But, yeah. Those are, I feel like, the big announcements. Yeah, no. this was This was... Crunchyroll Expo was kind of an interesting con because it felt smaller than it normally does. Like this year, it felt like a smaller con. Yeah, like I think what was the most notable for me was like the lack of like other vendors. It it was weird because like in other years where, um, because Crunchyroll Expo always takes place like after AX at some point. Yeah. Either it was like September or August usually, but yeah. AX is in July, so you always see like the huge like centerpiece of giant vendors. Um. Like like big big name vendors that are that are there and like I think at the Crunchyroll thing it was only Crunchyroll. So so yeah, Aniplex. So this is this is the interesting thing, and this was I was talking with Evan about it, and it once he pointed out a very simple fact, everything clicked into place. Um, it's basically like Crunchyroll Expo is not an independent convention. It's run by Crunchyroll, which is owned by Sony, which means that they have a vested interest in only having Sony subsidiaries there. Yeah. So Aniplex is owned by Sony. Crunchyroll is owned by Sony. Those are like the two biggest display booth whatevers that were at the event. And outside of that, there's a bunch of like smaller independent folks, um, but no other real big players in the anime industry specifically. You had some manga folks there and you had some kind of like anime branded clothing stuff and then also the Hololive stuff. Um, but those are all separate enough that they can kind of be seen as, as different spheres of influence. Yeah, and that was, that was, I think I saw that in other years, but like, I always felt like at the Aniplex booth, like there was, there would still sell stuff, but like at Crunchyroll Expo this year, it was just a giant thing of like SAO, like, like displays. Yeah. It was not even like, it was cool. I liked the display because I haven't watched SAO since like the, f- since first two seasons. And so it's like, there's a lot to catch up on and it actually looks kind of interesting. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it, it, it was just strange where I was like, because usually it's like Anaplex is selling like all of the Fate figures or something else there too, which is like, that, that That was I think the most noticeable thing for me. Although I didn't, yeah. I did get something though. They were selling um, a Maromi plushie from Paranoia Agent at, yeah, oh they were. my god, at like the Crunchyroll booth, which again, I was shocked because I was like, why? They sold out of them. Yeah, like why, why did they make this? This is like too cool for Crunchyroll, you know? It's like, it's too just, cool. It's, it's, it was originally a Funimation thing. I think they're trying to advertise that they've got Funimation products now. Yeah, and it's like they finally have Paranoia Asian, which is a great, great show. Um, 10 out of 10 show. Everybody watch it's Paranoia It's like 15 Asian. years old at this point. And watch it late at night. Watch it late at night as, as it was intended. Um, yeah. And someday, the when you're watching it and you have your Maromi plushie, then your dog will start talking to you. Um, yeah, I, I, what I, what boggles my mind is how big those plushies were, and they were twenty dollars. Yeah, no, like, it's they're very anywhere else a plush that big runs you. They're like bucks. ideal huggable design. You know, it's like yes. it's a good plush. <laughs> it's like I bought two, but now I only have one. Because I sold, I get, I sold one at cost. I was about to be too. like, did, did it walk away? <laughs> no, no. I uh, con so uh, Connor Kelly came on Sunday, and they were sold out by then. So I was oh. like, I'll sell you one of my extras. 
you just had like your trench coat full of all of these stuffed dogs <laughs> on on saturday no word of a lie uh friday i bought the three like the one for you because you had a thing to be at yeah and on saturday when i walked in in the morning i was so tempted to just wander over back to the stand and be like hi i'd like another like three three more maromis please that's I that's actual it. I madness james no don't do that i was hypnotized by this adorable dog it's, it's pretty cute not gonna lie um yeah but yeah no i was surprised so like the one thing that that made me sad i mean I, I people love hollow live and i get that i was trying to get some stuff from the omocat booth that i didn't get at ax because at ax they had omocats like omori game merch and yeah. hollow live but at crx it was a hundred percent hollow live because they all sold out all of their stuff at ax and they probably realized internally like wow the hollow live stuff like instantly sells out everything Big seller. and like like honestly like a third of that con was hollow live vtuber stuff um literally the entire bottom floor I, I didn't even set foot there was it like what was that it was like so you, you remember at fanime where all the panel rooms yeah were? yeah no I, I that was all hollow live like they have like they screens had like, of like the person yeah they had like the screens they had like that weird uh i think if you talk with matt about it he managed to get in with his press badge but it was like basically like they had like a museum of like you know, basically, you walked past exhibits. You got to interact with some of them. I think some of it was pre-recorded. Some of it was actually live. Um, and you could, you could. It was the meet and greet that you could pay for. And so that was oh, the live thing. Is is wow. you, you paid money and then you got to talk with your favorite VTuber. Oh wow, that's a, that's like so lucrative. You're like walking in and it's all Wizard of Oz it's like, like, dude. Psh, yeah, like like the smokes clearing and you're like you hear someone coughing and sneezing and then the voice is just saying, "Hey, pay no attention to the man." in the corner no that's saying to the st- that's saying the same words that the shark girl is also saying <laughs> i don't think they flew everybody out that's the that's that's the lucrative part about it yeah they, they literally could just, just be in their own studio and just connect directly yeah yeah like, that's wild that's like i i foresee hollow live becoming a larger and larger part of anime conventions and normally i would be like that's fine but i do think it is going to start encroaching on things that i care about and i am going to start getting cranky like an old man uh yeah i mean i'm i could just already be cranky i like being cranky um but yeah no it, it, there's a ton of money though in the space it's like it's like the like if i had a time machine like going back and just inventing hollow life would be like my first priority because it's like an insane lucrative business it it absolutely is um I do think, though, that the market is also reaching saturation with, like, Niji Sanji and Prism Project and Vishojo and Hololive and then all the independent VTubers. Yeah, but, I mean, just uh, think about, are, like, are. how many YouTube channels there are and how many of those are, like, like people are making livings off of just, like, making videos on YouTube or Twitch. Like, it's That's just fair. so, like, I don't think the startup cost is that high to getting the get. getting the the model and the rigging set up can be is a lot more upfront than it is to just buy streaming gear but like yeah even then it's still is a tax write-off if you're making yeah it like like i mean obviously like you're gonna have a ton that like aren't seeing the light of day that don't have a cool backstory or you can't you can't market like fried chicken because it's it's the, the phoenix girl kiara yeah that's <laughs> the fried chicken um fried phoenix get it right fried, i know i hate i hate almost how much i know about hololive while still kind of not caring about it i i don't understand like 95 percent of the memes and the only other ones i understand is just like phoenix shark okay i gotcha beat that okay whatever but uh yeah. yeah that was a huge part of crx i was just like dang that's a uh i'm surprised they landed that deal i'm not gonna lie yeah like when is it gonna be just hololive con just taking the exact same Sooner convention than, center and just like I mean take over probably, the I wouldn't be con. surprised I wouldn't be surprised if they have one in Japan at some point I don't know if it'll ever make it overseas without being attached to another organ uh, another organized event but I would not be surprised if they have like a, a Hololive convention at some point in Japan stay tuned we'll send our foreign correspondent and by foreign correspondent I mean we'll get one of our folks to get on a plane <laughs> I'll, I'll get on that plane I'll I'll be the one charging forward. And be like, which move? Anything to get to Japan right now. I want to visit again so badly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if there's any other closing thoughts you have because I mean we're approaching the hour hour and yeah. five minute mark. Um, I I think the one thing that I'm like as much as it sounds like some of us, well, some there are two of us here recording. Uh, as much as I sound like I'm griping a little bit about conventions overall, and I I kind of am. I am still genuinely happy that they're happening again. Uh. 
I got to hang out with people I haven't seen in a really long time. Uh, some of the folks at Anime Trending I only ever see in person when we're at conventions. And yeah, we chat, you know, on voice chat and Discord and we record the podcast together. But there are times where it's like, wow, I get to see you twice a year, maybe three times a year. And it is just at anime conventions. So more than just being industry events for me, it is also a, a social event and opportunity mm-hmm. to see people. Yeah, it also has a really fun showtime element too. We're just like, well, yeah. this is what we work towards, and this is what we're doing. Because like, I had that feeling going into the Masiko Minami and Chiaki Kurakane interview, where I was like, I'd be so nervous going into it, but like, like knowing what questions to like follow up with um, helped because I kind of went a little off script at some points where I'm like trying, mm-hmm. trying so hard to like thread the needle between like asking a question that I already had approved, but versus also like genuinely trying to get a follow up on some of the things. Cause like the person's right there. Who's like also like listening on what, what we're saying. Um, yeah. And I felt like a lot of the work that we've done through podcast actually did help um, with being on the spot. It was like once, cause I was super nervous going into it. And like, mm-hmm. once I actually started, I was like, Oh, this is actually totally fine. And I'm, this is a super fun time. Um, yeah. And like I definitely feel like my interviewing skills got given like a hard reset. I was doing my first interview of the convention. I felt like I did the first time I did my own interview at Fanime where I was like super nervous and totally freaking out. Uh, and then by the time I did my second one uh, Sunday afternoon, I was I was much more comfortable with how I was operating. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Th- then the second one we had is Matt and I who ended up interviewing uh, Rosalie Chang, who is the voice actress for May from Turning Red. Um, and that was a really fun interview in of itself um, because it was like very anime adjacent, but also like you had kind of the perspective of someone who had basically just gotten an anime um, in the last couple mm-hmm. of years um, from much younger perspective and like just, I don't know, super fun interview. We're going to have some of these posted um, in the next uh, couple days, couple days so. I would say, because like we're almost done, I think, wrapping it up. I think we have to send our approval process, make sure everything's good on there. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll publish these soon. Um, a lot of cool stuff that we got out of those interviews and I had a ton of fun making them and experiencing mm-hmm. them and I hope you, the viewers, uh, get to uh, see them soon. Yeah. I like how we call them viewers instead of listeners. Viewers and listeners. Uh, viewers and listeners. Some At some point we'll have a YouTube channel. Any trenders. Uh, we're working on that. Uh, any trenders. All right. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Yep. See you then. Bye. Bye.